Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I'm your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Jeff Davis. Here's a bit about Jeff. He's an entrepreneur who went from working every night and every weekend with 80 plus hour work weeks to traveling for two years with his family, seeing 29 countries all while growing his business. He attributes making that life-changing leap from being stuck in the day-to-day weeds to being able to travel and focus on the vision to doing seven particular things. When any other entrepreneurs go through these same seven steps, they also build dramatically more scalable businesses. They start growing their companies with more freedom to focus on the bigger impact things, and they're also able to pursue other passions in their lives. Um, uh, Today, you all will get to hear the opportunity from founder and chairman of a national community of entrepreneurs and CEOs, pull back the curtain on seven steps to getting out of the day-to-day weeds of any business. And without further ado, please welcome Jeff Davis, who's going to teach us those seven steps so we can get out of those day-to-day weeds and start living the life that we want on our own terms. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you, Jeff. So, Jeff, you know, your bio is just the bio. So I want you to tell us what's a wild card factor that obviously my community doesn't know and maybe your community doesn't know about you. Um, I don't know. I, I think lots of different things in my life that seem all completely unrelated sort of all put a dent into shaping who I turned out to be, I, I was a, a skateboarder flying down steps and flying up ramps. Uh, I dissected human cadavers in grad school. Um, uh, I've had an interesting path. I, I would say I have a, um, an artist's brain, a kind of like literally have a master of fine arts degree. And, um, but I'm also very entrepreneurial and have that business side, which is I guess kind of one of my unique abilities is, is you don't usually have both of those kind of things. It's one or the other sometimes, but um, uh, I guess, yeah, I would say uh, doing a kickflip down some steps and uh, knowing all of the parts of the brachial plexus in a cadaver is kind of the range. That is super cool. So you have a little bit of everything um, in your think tank. And when did you decide that, you know what, I'm hitting that point in my career where all of these hours are not fulfilling me and they don't complement my purpose in life. And I, you know, I really need to take a step back and spend some time with my family. What, what was that driving factor that pushed you? Into that. Uh, it was it was a gradual buildup of pain. I think entrepreneurs are, are hard workers and optimistic people, and we're willing to to take on a lot. And I think it's one of those things where it just builds and builds and builds and builds, where you don't even 
realize how much pressure and stress and fatigue you're going through until you get to sort of a tipping point. For me, that tipping point was, I mean, after a couple of years of working every night and every weekend, and then um, my wife and I had our first child and the morning after the baby was born, I had to go to the hospital. I mean, I had to leave the hospital to go to my office because I was so entrenched in every aspect of my business. I said, uh, I'll be right back. I just got to go in for a minute. And then I came back hours later. And, um, and uh, at the time, a lot, I was having a lot of successes professionally, but I couldn't have felt like a bigger loser um, when I was coming back to the hospital after hours when I said I'd just be a few minutes. But it was my own fault because I had just gotten so entrenched in all the minutia in the weeds of the business. Do you ever feel like um, it took a toll on your marriage or family dynamics since you were so in, entrenched with your work? Because you had that professional success, but then personally, you mentioned that you felt like a loser because you weren't maybe holding up to certain obligations. Yeah, for me, I, I remember, I mean, I was uh, still young and, and I remember thinking to myself, I don't think I'm going to feel like I'm winning if I'm celebrating revenue with like wife number six. Like to me, that just didn't that wasn't what I was looking to to accomplish and so I became fanatical about um, not just revenue but uh, you know being healthy um, being happy having a good marriage being a good dad um, having time to enjoy life you know uh, so all, all that stuff I, I, I think for a long time, I always looked at a more holistic view of what quote unquote success is. And it was never just sales or just a dollar amount in a bank. That's great. And thank you for sharing that because I think that's going to connect with some of the listeners and viewers. And now let's unpack the seven steps. And did you find these seven steps whenever you stepped away from your job and went on that two year, uh, the two years to travel? Yeah, I, I would say some of it came before the year of travel and what enabled me to do a year of travel. Um, a lot of it was from uh, experimenting, lessons learned, a lot of explosions, uh, you know, the blue, I, I thought I had it figured out and then it blew up in my face and got more expensive and took more time and got more stressful and then trying this and then trying this and, and over, uh, you know, over time, not, it wasn't like an overnight thing. Um, and then, yeah, from learning, from actually leaving and disconnecting from being in the city where my business started, uh, forced me into certain, figuring out certain things. But also along the way, for we have our community of CEOs, 12 Mavens, and one of the things we do for the members is uh, go out every month and pick the brains of highly successful entrepreneurs, CEOs, experts on different topics, um, which includes you know the CEOs of Inc. 500 companies, New York Times bestselling authors, and pretty successful people, and learning from them, um, uh, learning from, you know, I've personally sat in 
I couldn't even tell you how many hours of CEO roundtable groups at this point. Um, and so from those conversations, from what's working and what's not working, from my own experience, it's, it's all of it. All right, so let's really unpack um, step by step. I want you to talk about those seven steps and kind of lay it out with the biggest Sorry, I couldn't hear you there for a second. So I want you to unpack the seven steps, what they are, just lay it out on the table so we can kind of get a glimpse and then we're going to tie that back into the 12 natives. Okay. Um, the first step is just mapping out an actual detailed written plan. Most people, they hope for something or they want something or they have some general ideas of how they maybe could do it. But if I were to say, show me the plan, Let's look at it. Let's analyze it week by week, month by month. How is it going to happen for you? Um, there isn't one or it's, you know, it's just little bits and pieces. So the first thing is to actually write out your detailed written plan. You could always tweak it. You can always, you know, there'll be curves in the road. You can always figure them out as you get there. But number one is map out that detailed plan. Number two is to build out a leadership and support team. A lot of times, you know, there's that founder and then they do all this work and maybe they get a little bit of help here or a little bit of help here, but you don't want to be this one genius with a hundred helpers. You want to actually have like proper support and be building out, you know, obviously you have to save, you have to raise cap or whatever you do to get the money, but to be building out a leadership team, a support team that includes like a really uh, a skilled executive assistant, maybe some virtual assistants that, that can take some of that administrative weight off of you. The third is to become a master at delegating. So many people uh, get frustrated when they ask somebody to do something and it doesn't turn out the way they want. Um, because of the way that they delegated it. Uh, you know, I've taken courses, read books on delegation, learned a lot from trial and error. But if you've ever asked somebody to do something that you thought should take about an hour and a week later, they still haven't done it. It's very likely that it's your fault. Did you tell them I need this by tomorrow at three o'clock? Or did you just assume that it would only take about an hour? Right. So being, being skilled at delegation, knowing how to delegate. It is an art, but also it is a science. Um, number four, systematize your processes uh, so that they work with or without you. So every business has systems and processes. They may not know it. They may not have actually formally documented them, but there are ways that they do stuff. Um, and so it's actually documenting the way everything gets done. You know, what's your process for if somebody calls in sick? What's your process for um, posting a job, interviewing, onboarding a new hire? What's your process for generating leads? Um, what's your sales process? Like fully step-by-step -step thought out. And then 
figuring out ways to take yourself out of those processes. So as you're documenting them, you're making sure that you are in as few of the steps as possible. Um, and the, ult the ultimate euphoria is you're not even in any of them. Number five is to make the time to learn how to do this stuff that we're talking about. It's ironic that, uh, you know, the people that are stuck in the day-to-day -day of their business are too busy to learn how to not be stuck in the day-to-day -day of their business. It's one of those things that's so obvious, but it's also probably the number one reason why people are stuck in the day-to-day -day because they're too busy, quote-unquote, to, to learn uh, how to fix the problem. So that's why I say make the time right? You have to make the time for what's important. I always tell people if, you know, God forbid, one of their immediate relatives passed away, they will make the time for the funeral, right? So when it's important enough, you make the time, but you have to make that time. Number six is to get over guilt issues, um, ego, your own limiting beliefs, right? If, if you just naturally kind of feel guilty if you're not the first one in and the last one out, That's something you have to get over. I had that problem. I'd get there before everybody else. I'd be as productive as I could all day. And someday, I, some days I checked all my boxes and it was about time to go home. And uh, if I still had employees there, I felt like I can't leave before them. I, I'd just find something else to do until every last one had left until I eventually, you know, got over that. Um, ego, it feels good to be the hero. You know, you want, you kind of want to be that star player on the team that when you get injured, the team starts losing because it feels good that you're so good. Um, but that's, you want the exact opposite. You know, you want the team to be able to be great, even if you weren't around anymore. And, and then limiting beliefs, we have this doubt that we can do it or We've just told ourselves this story a million times of why it has to be us to do this. It has to be us to do this. And we're blocking ourselves from making that next step, right? And then number seven is uh, leveraging other CEOs' hindsight um, and, and taking advantage of all these other business leaders' past experiences of how they've, uh, you know, figured out ways to be more productive or to manage their time better or to automate things or how they're outsourcing things or how they're cutting things out from their day as CEOs, right? Leveraging all these other CEOs. And at the same time, when you're taking all of these different CEOs and business leaders hindsight and combining all of their brain power together at the same time on thinking and problem solving and figuring out things and brainstorming on ideas, um, it's so much more powerful than an individ one individual brain. And also leveraging CEOs' hindsight and their group thinking, but also the accountability of your peers. So if you're putting all three of those, I kind of combine all of that together into one thing, right? And it's just leveraging the power of other entrepreneurs and CEOs.
Those are really great um, steps there, Jeff. And I want to thank you for elaborating on each one of them. And would you say that the steps have to be followed in, in you know, sequential order, or do you recommend going um, out of order and why? Um, that's a good question. And, and I would say it doesn't have to be like exactly one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. But I would say, if anything, I would start with um, having some kind of a plan to, as a starting point. But at the same time, you know, if you don't have the right mindset, like that, it was all the way at number six, you know, about getting over guilt and ego and limiting beliefs. So, you know, I don't think it has to be one and then two and then three. You know, if you have a good assistant helping you that can free you up to do some of these other things that, that I mentioned. Uh, if, you're, if you've uh, mastered delegation, you know, then that would be helpful to do that before you have uh, all these processes and systems starting, you know, firing off. Um, but they're, they're not in that order, like you have to do step one first and then two. They're, they're a suggestion in that order. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I feel very strongly about that, that, the, that last one of the three all combined together because, uh, you know, and as I'm talking about this, I'm like kind of wanting to completely scramble up those seven steps. Uh, and then a month from now, I might want to re-scramble it again. But, you know, I'm thinking if you have uh, the other CEOs that you're brainstorming with, they might help craft a better plan. You know, they might help you pick out a better leadership team and a better, uh, you know, executive assistant for like what's worked and not worked for them. You know, they might be able to help you craft the way you're delegating and tell you why you're being frustrated. So, yeah, you could, you could, you can do them in a number of orders. Yeah, the reason why I asked that question is because I think starting with having that mindset shift and the overall paradigm shift helps you make sure that the rest of the steps are going to be followed. And if I could add, I really like that you talked about delegation. And I know some people are afraid to delegate. So you could delegate, but also proof your delegation by implementing some audits to ensure what you delegated is running properly. Then when it comes um, to planning and processes, make sure that you have SOPs, so standard operating procedures. And as things shift in your business, make sure you are keeping those procedures evergreen and make sure that it's across the board, like every person in each department knows about that SOP and cross-train because if someone is out for maybe maternity or paternity leave or something happens, you want to make sure that you have somebody lined up that knows how to take ownership of that role so you're not um, missing out and you're not allowing a big educational gap to walk out the door and then something fails. And then automation, think about ways that you could work smarter, not necessarily harder. Where does it make sense to outsource? And does it make sense financially? And does it make sense based on your business setup? You could outsource your C CRM, 
You could outsource some of the administrative skills because if you have an online business, maybe you hire a few VAs, virtual assistants and et cetera. There are so many different things that you could think about. And then also make sure that you're protecting yourself and your business by having non-competes. NDAs, which are non-disclosure agreements and et cetera, because you don't want to let somebody walk out the door and then take your ideas and build upon it. And then before you know it, they're a competitor. So really think about those things in business and really apply the seven steps that Jeff talked about and do an audit on yourself and business on a quarterly or a annually basis to make sure those seven steps are still working for you. Well said. And then Jeff, um, I want you to talk about the 12 mavens. How did you form the 12 mavens and what are the core pillars around it? Um, thank you. Uh, 12 mavens is, is one of those examples of somebody just starting something that they wanted and, and needed for themselves. Um, I was, you know, early 30s, guns blazing, had some early successes and just kept going for the next thing and the next thing. And, and I, I did something without getting any outside counsel. And I watched a lot of money disappear over the next six months. And I remember going through a ton of pain and, and like literally waking up in the middle of the night feeling like I'm suffocating almost just watching, uh, you know, uh, what I had saved for years, just depleting quickly and thinking, uh, man, if I had just thrown that idea out in front of a few other entrepreneurs, and if just one of them, you know, kind of poked a stick at it and said, yeah, what happens if this happens? And I say, oh, that's true. I might have just drawn a line through the idea and I would have never known how valuable that 15 minute conversation would have been, you know, instead of going through the, the agony that I went through, you know? And so that made me want to not do some of those gunslinging uh, decisions, you know, without first having the outside perspectives and, you know, that, that confidential think tank that I could lean on and, and, and mitigate risk with really. That's what it, what it is, I mean, I just wanted, I want, after going through that much pain and then getting to the complete other side of the spectrum where I did build the business up, did get it to run without me. And then I was able to sell the whole company um, that uh, I wanted to help as many other entrepreneurs avoid that pain as possible. When I thought about how many times I was in my office until three in the morning, four in the morning, and, and wanting to help some other dad or mom avoid that and just be able to spend that time with their spouse and kids. That was like, I'll do whatever I can for that. And so I, it started with a single group of a, a few other entrepreneurs. Um, and it was one of those things where it was like, yeah, we talked about, you'll get like, you know, business ideas, marketing, best practices, hiring, best practices, how to access capital. We can talk about all that stuff. But really the thing all, all along that I was the most excited about was making that person happier and, and more 
um, having a better quality of life, which, you know, I, re I realized the more I talked about the less interested people were, it just seemed like kind of fluffy, soft, whatever stuff. And then and we, we talk, if we talk about real world things like, you know, delegation and automation and systems and, and hiring good people and all, all that kind of stuff, then we'll just get them there that way. And why the name 12 Mavens or Mavens? Yeah, yeah. Um, a Maven is somebody who shares their wisdom and knowledge with others. Um, it's actually a super old word, but it just kind of disappeared for a long time. I think maybe it was Malcolm Gladwell that sort of kind of brought it back. He mentioned it in a couple of his books. Um, I remember hearing it as, as a kid. Um, but, uh, but so the concept is if you take 12 people that all are sharing their wisdom and knowledge with others all at the same time, that's a pretty powerful thing. And we call it that, but you know, it's, we have plenty of meetings. It's not exactly 12, you know, it's like if we have 11 mavens, it's still an amazing meeting. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I was like, there has to be a reason why he named it 12 uh, Mavens. And then Jeff, as we begin to wind down, I want you to leave our listeners and viewers with a call to action for this segment. What do you want them to do? I want them to, like you said, take action and, you know, wishing and hoping are, aren't going to do it. I, I wished and hoped for a long time. It wasn't until I reached my pain threshold that, uh, you know, I, I remember literally crying and my wife and I hugging and telling her, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. I promise you, because, um, she deserved better than, you know, just being there by herself every night and all weekend. And so, um, you know, the best way to do that, what changed my life was actually taking the time to dis from all the, in the business stuff. And yeah, I got around other smart, driven entrepreneurs and you know everything changed we went to work on all these things together um i like having conversations with with entrepreneurs that are serious about scaling their companies and and having a good life and that's why i, I like meeting privately uh, you know on occasion usually yeah, for years i haven't done them myself but lately i've been jumping into them myself um again but uh if you go to 12mavens.com forward slash session, 12mavens.com forward slash session, um, you can book a time that uh, we can talk privately about your top objectives, your biggest obstacles, um, your biggest frustrations, and, and kind of carve out a plan. Um, my only caveat is, is uh, you know, I have very limited amount of time. And, uh, and I just reserve it for, for people that are actually actively growing a business. If, you, if you're aspiring, uh, you know, this might not be for you, but uh, uh, yeah, that would be the call to action. And if anyone is aspiring to connect with you um, outside of this segment, where do you hang out on social media? We have your website, which is www.12, 
Mavens, M-A-V-E-N-S dot com. And then if you're interested in the session, you go back forward slash session. So um, I want you to plug them on your social media so they could follow you along this path. Yeah, um, I, I'm mostly, I would say LinkedIn. I had them all. I got tired of them all. And it was terrible because it's so important for marketing these days. Um, if, if uh, uh, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, Jeff Davis, you just got to skim through all the, all the other Jeff Davises to find me, I guess. Um, and then if you're curious to see uh, parts of when I did go to 29 countries, I did document a good bit of the journey you could, uh, on YouTube. If you go, if you go on YouTube and type uh, the climb with Jeff Davis, the climb with Jeff Davis, you can see me in France, Italy, Spain, Ireland, uh, England. I don't remember at what point I got tired of doing it, but they're, they're pretty entertaining. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and you just heard the pleasure of hearing Jeff Davis with 12 Mavens. All of his contact information will be in the show notes so you could connect with him. And until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Don't forget to subscribe and share this segment. We're on 40 plus platforms and follow us on YouTube at Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp for all things video content. And remember, you can release the inner maven in you, level up your business and scale up as long as you follow the seven steps that were mentioned in this segment. Until we chat next time. Ciao. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services could be here on GEMS Podcast.